But, uh, you know, it is the, it's just kind of what I call the balanced diet. It's, it's what I, the only thing that I know of in, in Christianity is, is coming to church and, and, and getting a balanced diet on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And Wednesday night was the Bible study, and that's what we did. And, and, uh, and I spent, I don't know, 35 years of, of getting that Bible study. And so that's what I believe in. And, and uh, um, what we're going to do tonight, Romans chapter 1, looking at verse 12. Verse 12, and it's going to take a while because right now we're covering about four verses at a time. Uh, but there's just a whole lot in that. And, and we'll go a little bit faster as we get to some verses that we can kind of package more together, uh, so to speak. But, but it says in verse 12, it says, uh, that is, and then of course, go back to verse 11, for, for I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. And so, uh, and I'll go ahead and just read through uh, probably verse 17. It says, now I would not have you ignorant, brethren. And uh, that's, that's kind of been my prayer for a whole lot of people I know a long time. Uh, now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come to you, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the, to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. So as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. And I'll just read verse 17 also. It says, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Uh, faith is so vital in, in, in the Word of God, and we, we, we'll be talking about that later. But, but every time I see this word faith, that I understand that really most of Christianity doesn't really understand this word faith. Uh, we don't really understand what it really means to live by faith and just shall live by faith. And, and it, it has such a depth of meaning and such a wide spectrum of meaning, but but we're just going to pick up at, at, at verse 12. It says, That is that I may be comforted together with you uh, by the mutual faith, both of, you, uh, both of you and me. And, of course, what he's talking about, he's saying we've got this together. And, and the truth is that's where we've come tonight. We've come tonight hopefully in a mutual faith. We came to, together tonight in this mutual faith. You know, we believe the same. And so it, this is very short but very powerful uh, little verse here. It demonstrates the power in this verse. He's, he's really stressing how powerful it is to have unity of belief. He's stressing to us that it's very important to have the unity amongst believers. And it's, it's something I'll talk about often because God talks about it. The book of Acts talks about it so much, and we've dealt with that a little bit. But but the, but the unity of the believers is the, the more that we have unity among ourselves, honestly, the stronger, the more powerful this church becomes. And so, you know, they say that, it, that, that if you have two people working together, that they can, they can accomplish more, uh, fivefold more than, than, five, than two people working separately. I'm sorry. If two people work together, they can accomplish fivefold more than two people working separately. And it's, it, God's trying to, in this 
passage, that is that I may comfort it together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. When we understand and believe similarly, when we agree and in a great sense are willing to even, through that agreement, tolerate differences and even accept those differences while concentrating on the important agreements. And I hope you understand that. You know, in order to agree, we, we also have to allow for differences. Because no, nobody, you know, people will say every once in a while, they'll come to the church and, well, I, I don't know that I agree with everything there. Well, good night. Nobody in here agrees with everything that somebody else believes. Nobody, I'm not sure that I, I you know, I agree with myself about everything. I, we just, there's, there's struggles and with differences and part of having unity of belief is being accepting that there will be differences over things that really are not important. They just don't have great importance. And so we, we, it's, we have to concentrate on the important agreements we have in our beliefs and in our doctrine. The result is, once we agree, though, the result that Paul's talking about is that we're encouraged, we're comforted, we're strengthened both emotionally and in faith. And so Paul's saying, you strengthened me because you have the same faith I do. And it's just so comforting to be around. You ever been around somebody that, okay, Jimmy McCullough is a, is a good example. Jimmy and I were so close when, when we were here in Tennessee, but it was only about probably two and a half years maybe that we even knew each other. Yet we became really close friends, fast friends. He came to Bible college, and while you're at Bible college, I'll be honest with you, except going out sewing together, except seeing each other on a weekend, on Saturday, you don't spend any time together. We didn't socialize with anybody during Bible college. It just wasn't any time, and if I had any time, I wasn't going to waste it socializing with other people. I was going to waste it socializing with my wife, and it wasn't a waste. I didn't come out good, did it? And so, uh, And so... But we didn't see people a lot. We didn't do that. And so I didn't, didn't run with him. Then I graduated, and then he, shortly after that, he graduated and took off, moved away. And we, ha- we really have not seen each other probably six or eight times in the last 25 years. But when we get together, we'll stay up all night talking. And you say, why do you do that? Because you just got a lot to say? No, because he uplifts my spirit. And I hope I uplift his spirit. We just, we encourage each other. Why? The mutual faith that we have. We believe the same. And you know, that's why you can come to a church like this and you don't really know anybody. You're not close to them. You're not around them a lot, but you got something really in common. You know, Brother Jerry and his wife, they'll, they'll leave and be gone for three years. And then we're going to pray them back here. Amen? Pray them back here. When they arrive back here, I guarantee you, we, we'll go sit down and have a bite to eat and probably talk for two hours. Why? Because we have mutual faith. It's not like we've been separated because we've been living the same thing all along. And so uh, that's what Paul's saying. And, and if you go to uh, now... Into 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, if you'll just turn over there. Uh, I, I, we're just going to make a little bit of an a illustration, application here. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. 
And I hope, uh, you know, I mess you up, turn you out of Romans, get you all confused. But we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. It says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, that's a very important thing. This is, this is a command. Uh, and we need our young people to understand, especially that this is such a direct application of, of dating and marriage, that you don't yoke up with an unbeliever. You believe you don't yoke up with an unbeliever. Uh, but he says, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, what communion hath light with darkness? And he said, well, you know, what's that got to do with this passage? If you take, if we follow this command to its base reasoning, if we just kind of take it to its base reasoning, then we can also make application to the fact that the less differences we have, the better we will be. You see, in other words, the more we are equally yoked in convictions and beliefs, the less we will find ourselves in conflict. And that's the, the, just kind of the principle here. Now, I know the direct principle is, you know, you, the believer shouldn't yoke up with the unbeliever. But the, the, you can kind of extrapolate from that, this verse that God's also teaching a little principle here that the more we have in common, the more that we think alike, the more, you know, look, I, I've told people for a long, long time, uh, you know, the most important issue is that you, when, when there, especially kids dating, is culturally, do y'all think alike? Scripturally, do you agree? Okay? Because those two areas are going to cause you conflict if you don't. Now you say, can you make it? Are you saying that, that if we you know, don't completely agree? Well, you can make it. You're just going to have more struggles. Okay? The more you agree, it's just the easier it's going to be. You know? So uh, anyway, uh, that's just the principle. So the more our faith is mutual, the more we will encourage each other because of this faith. Now if you go to verse 13. Verse 13. Man, my time goes too fast. That was one verse, and I, I took, what, about 10 minutes on that? And we're just getting started. Now it said, verse 13, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren. I love that verse. Yes. I would not have you ignorant, brethren. I just love saying that to people. I would not have you ignorant, or I would not have you ignorant, brethren. <laughs> uh, it's very, <laughs> very important when you put that comma <laughs> Uh, that oftentimes I purposed to come unto you, was, but was let hitherto, that I might have some fruit among you also, even as among other Gentiles. Now, this is really an interesting verse. Is obviously, whatever this is talking about, clearly Paul wants the people to understand the why behind his actions. He's wanting people to understand why he does what he does. You, you will find in me while I'm here that that sometimes uh, I will explain to you why I did things. And I've already had somebody say, well, you, didn't, you don't need to explain to me why you did that. But I'm still going to because I think it'll help you if you understand my reasoning, why I'm doing what I do. And so Paul says, okay, I, I want you to understand now, folks. I, I didn't reject you. I, it wasn't that I didn't want to come to you. I really planned to. I really planned to, planned to be there. But also to understand uh, the, that regardless of our desires, this is written now, and Paul's trying to help us that, to understand that regardless of our desires and best intentions, we must allow God to be God. And that means that God has the right to direct our lives, and He has the right 
for the direction of our lives. By day, did I go off? Did this thing quit again? See, I knew it wasn't my fault. Look at red light. You in a heap of trouble, boy. All right. Here we go. Um, now, we've got to let God be God. And, and I'm not talking about just the overall direction of our lives, but the day-by-day -day direction. Paul's saying, I was coming to you. And the day I was coming to you, God said, no, don't go that way. Do you understand that we need to let God have that power in our lives? Amen. I used to hear my preacher say that, and I thought it was kind of, kind of extreme, but he would say, he would get up and he would, he would say, uh, you know, he said, I pray which direction I drive home. I'll ask God, can I, do I go this way or do I go that way? And I thought, man, I'm just, God, which way is the quickest way? <laughs> you know, because that's all I'm caring about. Which way goes by the ice cream shop? Hey. That's the way God that's wants me to go. Man. You know, but he would say, I would pray and say, God, do you want me to take this route home? Do you want me to take that direction home? And you know, the truth is, that's a real good habit to get into. Just saying, Lord, take me where you want to take me. Do what you want to do with me. Direct me the way you want to direct me, whatever you want. That's where I'm going. Now, uh, the best illustration for this that I, that I can give you is kind of, kind of a neat thing, but about a year and a half after taking the sailor ministry, I found that the ministry... And uh, military would understand this, Brother Felton would understand this, probably this terminology. But I found out that the ministry had been issued a bar letter, which meant they were, the, the entire ministry was barred from the base, not allowed under federal law. They, were, they weren't allowed to come to the base. Well, there's just one problem. I've been running this ministry for about a year and a half. I was taking my bus on the base and I was going on base, I was getting sailors, and everything's going great. I did not know that I'd been doing this under a bar letter for the last year and a half. The previous leader had been issued this bar letter, but then he left to go to another ministry, understandably. Uh, he, uh, he, took, he left, and, uh, and when I was asked to take over the ministry, he never bothered relaying to me this fact that we were under a bar letter. So... This letter essentially meant that, that me, as a leader, and everyone representing our ministry was barred from entering the base under the penalty of, of arrest un, under federal law. Now, that was a really exciting kind of thing to find out about. <laughs> now, this left me with a dilemma. I had to go get sailors. That was my life. That was my ministry. That was my calling. But to do so would be to violate, continue to violate the agreement that was previously made. Now, here's the problem. It wasn't that the base just arbitrarily had barred us. I found in documentation that the previous leader had made an agreement with the base. Now, I'll be honest with you, the agreement that he had made was impossible to run a ministry under what he agreed to. Because it said that we agree not to invite any sailors uh, not to speak to any other sailors other than the ones who are already coming to our church. Well, you have to understand, you know, if you had any coming to your church by attrition when they ship out, pretty soon you got nobody coming to your church. So you, you got to be able to invite people or you're, you're going to die. 
But the, he had agreed to this premise. And so I was in a dilemma because I felt that the word of our church had been given. So for eight months, I chose to stay off the base and keep all the workers off the base. Now, I didn't know it was going to be eight months, but what I was doing in that eight months was I was trying to get a meeting for a new agreement because we had made an agreement, so I was going to stay off the base. Now, if I couldn't get a new agreement, the very least I felt that I needed to get with the authorities and state to them that I did not make that agreement and I was, I was stating publicly that we were no longer under that agreement because that was made with someone else. So eight months of bitter cold, if you can imagine, no place to go inside. You're standing outside the base for four hours, whatever the weather is, there's no buildings. You're just out on the street trying to see if any sailors will walk out so you have an opportunity to talk to them. Eight months of this bitter cold, and now we would load up four and five sailors on the biggest day we had in eight months was ten sailors. And now that was instead of having 30 to 130. I mean, we, our reload day would have been 30 now, during this eight months, on one of the weekends that we had five sailors, one of those boys came down and got saved. Just had five sailors come down, but one of them came down and got saved. That boy got so on fire that over the next several months, he brought 50 friends with him. He did what we could not do, and we reached him because we had been hindered. If you read back at, at this verse, it says, Now I would not have you ignorant, brethren, that oftentimes I purposed to come to you, unto you, but was let hitherto. And basically that means I was hindered. I was kept from getting to you, kept from doing what I really wanted to do. I wanted to get to you. He said, but I was hindered from it. You see, what I found out, we would never have met this young man. He would never have gotten on fire. And I'll be honest with you, if he had come down in the weekend, first weekend he came down, if we had 55 sailors or 105 sailors, we might not have ever gotten close to that boy the way we did. But we had five. And can I tell you, you can spend a lot of time with him when you only got five. And something, that fire got lit under him, and that boy brought 50 sailors. Because we could not get on the base, I started sending men to Fort Sheridan Army Post, which we would not have done if we could still get on the base because I just put everybody on the base. Why go someplace else if I can get on the base? I started going to Chanute Air Force Base. Both of these are closed down now, but I started going to Chanute Air Force Base. Men were saved and lives were changed for eternity would not have been reached, but we had been hindered from going where we wanted to go. And because we were divinely hindered from going where we wanted to go, there were young men and young women that got saved that we would never have met or talked to. That's right. Amen. One of those young men from Fort Sheridan, his name was David Gross. 
And David not only got on fire for God, but he ended up getting, <clears throat> getting saved, getting on fire for God. He came to Bible college, came and got his master's degree from Bible college, served God. Amen. We'd never found him because we had never gone to Fort Sheridan. Sheridan. Fort Sheridan was nothing more than a reserve unit. Sometimes we are hindered for God's good, just as Joseph said in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, but as for you, you thought it evil against me. And that's what I say today, you know, base, you thought it evil against me, but God used it for good, amen? So I, you say, well, Brother Hooker, how's this apply to us? Listen, you may have great intentions and you may have plans and you may want to do this for God. And man, I just got to do this. And God says, uh-uh. And we can get all frustrated because watch this. We get frustrated if God messes with our plans. That's right. Come on. We do. We, look, we, we say, I'm, I'm trying to do something for God and they won't let me. No, you have to understand, God's ultimately in control, amen? amen. And I don't need a microphone. <laughs> God is in control and we get all upset because I want to do it this way. Hey, let God do what he does. Hey, He's got a plan. He's got a plan for us. And sometimes he'll just shut a door on you and think, why would God shut that door? That does not make sense to me. Thank God it doesn't. Because if God made sense to all of us all the time, then he wouldn't be God. People all the time, they'll just talk about, you know, different things in the Bible. And, and okay, a predestination in the Bible. Well, if God knows when he creates you that you're not going to receive him, then he created you to go to hell. Now, watch this. Watch this. God can think and do things you can't think and do. Now, me, honestly, I can't separate those two things. I can't do that. But I got a human mind. It's a really good one. <laughs> but I don't get tired. <laughs> but Joseph said, but as for you, you thought it evil against me, but God meant it yeah. unto good. And what he says to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people. People got saved that just never would have gotten saved if God hadn't shut the door to the base. And can I tell you, when I feel like God, this way, when God shuts a door, as the scripture says, there's a great door and effectual open unto me. Yeah. But watch this now. There's a great door and effectual open unto me, and there are many adversaries. When you're at the right door that God opens, don't think it's going to be smooth sailing because 
that door has a lot of adversaries. Okay? But here's the thing. God opens that door. There's a great door. A great door and effectual. That means a great door. And effectual means working door. That door can open and that door can shut. But if God opens it, God can shut. And I always, no matter what came, I always knew. Well, they, people would come to me and they'd say, how is it? Uh, churches, other churches would come and they would say, we've tried to have a sailor ministry up here at Great Lakes, but man, every time we do, we run into things and we end up having to shut down. He said, how do you keep on going? I said, that's your answer. They would say to me, how do you keep going? How do you keep? I would say, that's your answer. I felt like, you know, Evan Costello. That's your answer. You know, it hurts you drive. Well, if it hurts you drive, why you drive? Okay. Y'all don't get that, do you? Y'all got to watch Avin Costello. Nobody. Oh, shut up. All right. The fact is, I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. What was I talking about? A great door. A great door. Yeah. Great door. And that door is opened by God and shut by God. Now, here's the thing. We try to push doors open that have been shut. And then we try to refuse. We refuse to go through doors that God opened. If God opened the door, go. If he shut the door, don't throw your shoulder into it. Try to push it open. If it's still cracked open, that means it's not shut. Okay? Verse 14. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. Debtor. That definition is always good. We look up definitions and... and uh, and again, I, 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 just to throw this out, Joe Beth is going to be teaching a little bit you know, tomorrow night, but, but just to throw it out, I was listening to a guy uh, on the radio, and uh, he, he, guy, he was one of these call-in, you know, answer man kind of things, and, 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 and they called in, and a guy said, well, what about this so-and-so that teaches? And he didn't, the, the answer that he gave, he didn't talk about the, what the guy teaches, he immediately went on a tirade about the problem. Well, you know he's wrong because he's one of those King James only guys. And he went on into saying that that uh, the you know that the that that you know King James you know it's got so many archaic words and words you would, he said you know if you look in the Bible and just an example he said you look in there and it says if you're compassed about he said you 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 start thinking you're supposed to have a compass in your hand. Now, help me. I wanted, I wanted to yell through the radio and say, how stupid can you be? And he said, you don't know the meanings of those words. And he said, that, that means you want know, to circle around. And I thought, well, I already knew that. It's really just by the context. You know it. I said, but listen, I don't care what version you got. If you got it, there's going to be words in it you don't know. You're going to have to look them up if you're going to know what they are. Okay, you can do that with the King James too. And let me just help you. Get your Webster's 1828 dictionary. Uh, the, 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 the language really didn't change much from 1769 to uh, to 1828, the words and definitions would not have changed much. Webster used primarily the Bible to, to formulate his definitions. And so it's a really good dictionary. Get it. You, it'll help you. Anybody ever heard of it? Yeah. 
Amen. Okay, Webster's 1828. It'll help you. All right. Now, he says, debtor. He says, one who has not made amends to those he has wronged. Look what he says. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. And a debtor is one who has not made amends to those he has wronged. Paul understood, listen to this, this this is a twofold meaning here. Paul understood that since he had been uniquely blessed with the background, opportunity, training, and even divine revelation and salvation, now he owed a great debt, a great responsibility to all people. He had been given much, he owed much to to give. He was a man who God had uniquely prepared to reach all people. He had been so blessed by God that he understood that with this great blessing comes great responsibility. Now, folks, that's what we are. Do you understand? We've been given much. We have great responsibility. But listen, Paul also knew that he owed a debt to all the people because he had attacked Jesus and Christianity. He had hurt families and Christians from all walks of life. He owed a debt to society, so to speak, for the injustices and harm he had done to the cause of Christ. Paul murdered people. He was there at the, at the stoning of Stephen. He held the coats while they, the people killed Stephen, stoned Stephen and killed him. He owed a debt to society for the injustices and harm he had done to the cause of Christ. This is not just about Paul, but where do we fit in all this? I owe a debt. You owe a debt. I will begin to repay for it. And I have begun the day I got saved trying to bring the gospel to other people, trying to bring to other people, peace. There was a, a lady and her daughter came today to, to get some food. And, and when she came up, I, uh, I got to, to speak to her. She was very kind and uh, very, both of them were very sweet and, and both of them trusted Christ as their Savior. It was, a, it was a, what I was doing, I was paying a debt because I had been given much and I owe much. But you know, I owe a debt to the Law enforcement, the men and women, for, for it was there that my life began to be transformed. I owe a debt to some of those people that, that helped me and stood beside me. I owe a debt to a business that I worked in right here on Getwell Road uh, right before going to Bible College. And they encouraged me. That business, instead of discouraging me, encouraged me and helped me to go off to go to Bible College. I owe a debt. I owe a debt to Howells Nursing College and First Baptist Church. I owe a debt to Great Lakes Naval Base. I owe a debt... Listen to me, I also owe debt to everyone that I hurt or offended along the way. I owe a debt to those I turned away from Christ by my spirit and attitude. I've hurt people. You know, I was, uh, and it's one thing I don't like to talk about, but I was, of course, into athletics my whole life and, and very intense about athletics. And oh my goodness, I'm sorry, y'all. I had no idea what time it was. I kind of enjoy what I'm doing, so I lose track. But I was very intense about athletics, and I really, my whole life, there was only one way to play, and that was you win. And, you know, they say you win or you die trying. No, I win or I kill you. Uh, But uh, 
but I, there were nights out on a football field that I would get caught up in the game rather than in what I was there for. We would play football with the sailors and sometimes have 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 guys there and playing for four or five or six hours of football. And I would play with them. And, and I, I was very intense about it. And, and there were nights where I would lose my temper. And there were, I, I can remember nights going out into the dark laying on my face and weeping, asking God to forgive me because I knew that there might be one boy out there that later during the chapel service might reject everything that I said because of the way I had acted on the field. And I don't suspect that that happened. Truth is, I know it did. I know that there were those that may have gotten saved that didn't because of my spirit and attitude on those nights. That's a great debt. Many of you owe a debt to Calvary Baptist Church and Calvary Baptist School. You owe a debt to Memphis. Will we repay that debt? And I just got to give you this. How can I repay? I won't finish everything, but how can we repay? The answer is found in verse 15. Look at verse 15. He said, basically, the way I read this, I owe a debt to those that spread the gospel before I got saved, to those that died trying to spread the gospel before I got saved, to those that I killed before I got saved. He said, so how am I going to pay back? So as much as in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. You know how we repay it? As much as in me is. And you know what I look at that? I look at that just like I did when I went on the ball field. I'm going to give it everything I got. As much as in me is. I think when, when I take my last breath, I hope it's preaching, it's soul winning, it's working for God. And when I take that last breath, I hope it's just like coming off a ball field and you don't have enough strength to get to the water fountain. You just collapse because you spent it all. You gave it all. And Paul said, as much as I have, as much as envy is, I'm ready. I'm ready to preach the gospel. And you understand where he said he was ready to go? To Rome. I don't care how dangerous you think Memphis is, Rome was much more dangerous for Christian. You understand what he was really saying? I'm ready. I'm ready to preach the gospel and knowing I'm going to die for it. I'm ready to tell the truth of God and spread the gospel of Christ knowing that it's just a matter of time before they cut my head off, before they put me to death. I'm ready. I'm ready. Are we ready? No matter what the cost. You say, man, I owe that much? I think so because God Jesus paid that much. 
It's sort of this. He kind of paid it in advance. He paid off your debt. Now, you can't ever pay him back for it. But appreciation ought to say, I'm debtor. You know, I'll never pay back my daddy all that my daddy for all that he's done for me. I could never do that. I could never pay him back for everything. And the truth is, I don't have to for him to be my daddy. He's my daddy no matter what. But because of all he's done for me and my love for him, I want to try to repay. And Paul said, for what God's done for me, as much as in me is, I'm ready. I am ready. Are we ready? Father, I pray that you bless, Lord Jesus. Uh, gone longer than I 